In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. As is my custom, I address to you some words today on Passion Sunday, also to take my leave of you from the pulpit. I will continue to preach every day, as I have been throughout Lent, except for any day on which the Passion is proclaimed. That is, on Palm Sunday, Holy Tuesday, Spy Wednesday, and Good Friday. I know very well that in the history of the Church there have been many illustrious preachers who have preached very beautiful sermons on the Passion of our Lord. This is simply not my practice. I believe that the Passion speaks for itself, and therefore on those days I do not preach. And so on Palm Sunday I invite you to be present and to place ourselves at Calvary and assist with great devotion at the chanting of the Passion. Yesterday, we took our leave of Lent as such. We heard the prophet Isaiah, in the same words we heard at the beginning of Lent. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. The time of focusing on penance for our sins has passed. This thought now seeds to another. The voice of our Savior Jesus Christ. For from the beginning of the night office on Passion Sunday, the Church makes this her perpetual refrain. If today you hear his voice, Harden not your hearts. Henceforth, it is the very low and gentle voice of our suffering Savior, which we shall hear from every day now until Easter. We hear his voice because we do not see his face. The Church, taking to heart the words of today's Gospel, hides our crucified Lord from us from this day forward. For the Gospel tells us that after he proclaimed his divinity to the Jews and they took up stones to cast at him, he hid himself from their presence. And so he shall remain hidden in all the churches until the face of our Savior is unveiled on Good Friday. And yet we still hear every day his voice and are told, Harden not your hearts. And what does that voice tell us today? Deny thyself, take up thy cross, and follow me. All you who pass by, look and see if there be any sufferings like mine. The author of the Imitation of Christ, 
that book which is second in readership only to the Bible itself, tells us, yes, these words of our Savior are hard. Deny thyself, take up thy cross, and follow me. But it will even be harder to hear the words, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. How much harder to hear the words, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. To be with Christ, we must now suffer with Christ. If we seek Christ crucified, we will find him. If we seek only ourselves, doubtless we will find ourselves to our own ruin. On this Sunday, then, we will all receive a special invitation to be present for all the ceremonies of Holy Week. In our lax times, none of these days that fall during Holy Week are of obligation. You may, without sin, content yourself with attending Mass on Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, and so discharge your obligation regarding the commandment of the Church. But for those who love God, for those who long to be united with the affections and intentions of Our Lady of Sorrows on Calvary, they would not think of being anywhere else during this holiest of weeks than at the ceremonies which the Church has celebrated since those very first days in Jerusalem. Most of you have been present at these ceremonies before. But as a sort of special invitation this year, I would like to take a moment today to speak to you about one ceremony in particular, which we are inaugurating here at St. Mary's this year. It will be the very first time, at least in quite a few generations, that this ceremony will be celebrated within these four walls. On Wednesday evening, Spy Wednesday of Holy Week at 7 p.m., we will sing the office of Tenebrae. In fairness, I do issue a, you a warning. It is a particularly long ceremony. It is not quite as long as the Easter Vigil, and yet the nature of it inclines one to feel that it is very long. It is certainly over two hours. Having given you that fair warning, I speak to you nonetheless about the importance of attending it. The Office of Tenebrae is so named because it is an office of darkness, as that word signifies. It has been celebrated since the earliest days, and the best historians tell us that in the form in which we shall celebrate it here, it goes back to the fifth century at the latest. For many centuries, 
The custom was to sing it in the evening, starting when it was still a little bit light out and ending in total darkness. It is, in fact, the office of matins and lauds, the night office of the church, sung just a bit earlier in order to have this sinking in of darkness. In each of the psalms, in each of the antiphons, in all the long and beautiful chants, we hear the voice of our Savior hearkening to us, fulfilling all the prophets, unveiling now the meaning of the entire Old Testament as we see that all words are fulfilled in his most bitter passion. We hear the lamentation of Jeremiah weeping upon the city of Jerusalem. Comodo sedit sola civitas. How doth that city now sit solitary that once was so full of people, that was once ruler of the nations? She lies now desolate. It is understandable, if you do choose to brave this ceremony and assist at it for the first time, if you have some difficulty following all of the beautiful words that will be sung. But for anyone who attends Tenebrae the first time, what does not escape anyone's notice is the liturgical object which we find in the sanctuary for the duration of the ceremony. It goes by the name of hearse. Your reaction, if you have never heard this before, might be the same as mine was when I first heard about it. When I was first told that for the singing of Tenebrae, we place a hearse in the sanctuary. I did not suppose that we would put a car there, nor did I think of any more ancient vehicle. We would put a carriage or a wagon even. I thought perhaps it meant that we construct something that looks more or less like what we call a hearse. In fact, what we will have in the sanctuary looks nothing like what we call a hearse. I then supposed always that it was simply a mournful name that we gave to this object. We took our modern word hearse and applied it out of devotion to this object. In fact, it is the opposite which is true. It is another reminder of the Catholic origin of all good things. In fact, the object we use for tenebrae is not taken from the idea of a hearse, what we use for funerals. Our word hearse is taken from tenebrae. When we think hearse, we think of a long black car, 
with a wagon portion to it, where you can place the casket. All then reverently follow behind this vehicle all the way to the cemetery. The word hearse does not mean that at all. It means what we have here in the sanctuary. That is, a series of candles in a triangular shape. The etymology of the word is not Latin. It goes back to a Germanic language. It actually means a wolf's tooth, a canine tooth. Because to people, the shape of this candelabra looked like the tooth of a dog or a wolf. In times past, such a series of candles would hang over the body of someone who had died. But for all of Christian Europe, when they thought of hearse, they thought of these candles which we used for the office of tenebrae. There are further differences between this hearse of the divine office and the hearse we use in the world. It is a series of candles, 15 total, 14 leading up to one larger and more prominent candle in the middle, the 15th. Unlike the hearse we know of, however, where people follow reverently all the way to the place of burial, this hearse does not signify accompanying the body. Rather, it signifies abandonment. We begin the divine office with all of the candles lit. And after each of the psalms that is sung, one candle is extinguished, starting with the outside candles and ascending up all the way to the middle. As for the number of 15, which has been used all over Christendom for many centuries, there are different commentaries offered by different saints. I present to you today the common thread of pious belief about these candles in order to kindle your devotion in this most august ceremony, which no one in the history of the liturgy ever dared to touch. According to the pious belief of most, the candles signify, first of all, the twelve apostles who abandoned our Lord in the garden. Then afterwards, any other of his disciples. We know full well that there were others there. Finally, as we draw closer to the center candle, it was the opinion of many that the last three, the two flanking the center candle, signify the three Marys. Mary Salome, Mary Magdalene, and our Blessed Lady in the center. If we think of the three candles that are left in that way, it is certainly not to suppose 
that those three Marys abandoned our Lord at any time. Nevertheless, and I think if you take a moment to meditate on Calvary and the Passion, you will find this is true in your own thoughts. As we reach the culmination of the awful drama of Calvary, even those two last Marys fade from our view. The only thing left in our minds at the conclusion of the Passion is our Lord and his sorrowful mother. She alone is there for her heart to be pierced when the lance is run through the sacred heart of her dead son. Does the last candle then signify Our Lady? Yes, in the opinion of many saints, but that is not all. For at the end, the last and largest candle is not simply extinguished. It is carried off and hidden behind the altar. And there it remains for the chanting of the last antiphon of the office, Christus factus est. Christ is made for us, obedient unto death. Then the Miserere is chanted in a grave tone, and the celebrant recites the concluding prayer. And then all who are present in the sanctuary begin to bang on the wood of the choir stalls, signifying the disruption of all creation at the death of its creator. And then finally, one, one member of the clergy turns around and holds up for all of us to see the very last light to be found in the church, that one candle. Is it our Lord at this point, or Our Lady? We cannot know for sure, so intimately were those two hearts united at Calvary. But then that candle, candle too is extinguished, and all depart in darkness and in silence. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Listen then today to the voice of our Savior, the voice we will hear throughout Holy Week and especially at Tenebrae. Could you not watch one hour with me? How do you sleep? Judas does not sleep. He hastens on his way to betray me. Lord Jesus crucified, have mercy on us. Virgin most sorrowful, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.